Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Okay, so um, we've still got a few people to join the call. I expect that we'll be joining in the next 10 minutes. But rather than everyone wait, um, I think what it might be best to do is we'll go into breakout groups um, and just to ask each other um, the topic of the, the today's meetup, who are you? And uh, it's just a chance to get to know people in a little bit more detail. Okay. Um, so who had an interesting, how did most people respond? Respond to what? To the, to the question of who are you? Okay. Uh. <laughs> and and uh, generally, how, how did it feel? Really awkward. Yeah. I, I think it was quite comfortable because we were such a small group and we were all kind of open, one one. I think. Okay. So what I'm interested in is what were the different answers that people had? I think for ourselves, we were kind of like associating ourselves, relating ourselves to our circumstance which we want, which we want to, well, what we're challenged with. Um, like trying to change like relationship status um, or trying to mm, establish what home is. Um, so we didn't identify ourselves such as uh, uh, usually what people would do kind of like through hobbies, interests. It's because of the nature of this meeting, um, it's themed. Um, we, we associated ourselves with our status, um, where we are in life and what kind of drew us here, I guess. This no. meeting. I mean, I don't think we went into any philosophical discussions, at least not when I was um, desperately trying to connect with. But, uh, in in <laughs> terms of who, who are you as a person or personality, or um, I think, well, I took it literally as a question you know, what's your background, what you're trying to achieve. I think the rest of the group at the time was discussing that as well. Okay, so in, that was in terms of relationships, because it, that's the context. Yes. Okay, what about other groups? It was pretty much similar in our group. It was pretty much, you know, this is my age, this is where I live, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. This so is what I of, like to do. Okay, so it's demographic and psychographic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In our group, we took it a bit further and we kind of discussed the tests that we took earlier and what, if we agreed with the style and if, you know, related to that. Okay, so the, so uh, which test is that, the Myers-Briggs and... Yes, the attachment or the love language mainly. Okay. We also had a discussion ab about friendships, um, the types of people who we gravitate towards in terms of developing friendships and whether or not sometimes we need to change those boundaries or the, those frames that we put around the types of people that we think we are friends with or should become friends with. And maybe we should get rid of those framing parameters and, and be more, uh, um, be less choosy 
maybe we'll make some really interesting friends who just don't fit the usual mold of what we think our friends, you know, mm. uh, our friends are going to be. Because I, I don't think anybody ever tells anybody how to make a friend. We just assume that we are able to make friends. Mm. And then um, we were discussing that sometimes we make the wrong friends um, who we, we, we help people. We, we tend to be people who help a lot. Uh, me and myself, we find that we are nurturers in a sense, but at the same time, do our friends treat us the same? Do we get that back from people? So it's those kinds of things that are coming out for us. We never discuss the tests. <laughs> I, me I mentioned I mentioned what I was and said it would change depending, yeah. depending yeah. on what mood I'm in and what where I am. Can we touch on it by a few seconds? <laughs> Sorry, so um, so May, what uh, what will change in in terms of which test are you talking about and what will change? Hmm. Uh, the is it the personality one? I'm come out as the campaigner. That one, the E and whatever that one is, depending on where you are in life depending whether you're having over social life or very solitude life, you may change your answers. Cause I think I've done this sort of uh, test some sort of few times in my life. And um, I think I've come out differently depending where, whether I feel kind of more isolated or whether I feel over socialized or whether my job um, challenges the fact that I I'm forced to have to speak like uh, in front of people or job challenges forces you to have your dislikes likes and dislikes. So I find that because I've changed jobs so many times in different careers, different areas, um, I, I give different answers depending how I feel and what the mood is of that period of time in my life. Okay. Mm. Um, actually, uh, I was thinking about, I was wondering about that actually, because I've taken it several times, um, or at least a few times and over seven years ago, I think is the first time I, took it um and i was kind of wondering if people people's um personality type changed because mine never did it's always been the same like even though like i felt like i've i'm different in a way than i was i feel like there's lots of ways i'm different than seven years ago but i still have the exact same um, so I was wondering if that was similar for everybody, but obviously it's not. So you've gotten different ones. <laughs> um, well, usually, usually it's fairly constant. Like introvert, extrovert is oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, pretty much a dimension. It's, it's the way that your brain works. Mm -hmm. um, can be sometimes things like judge or perceiver can can change. But generally, um, Myers-Briggs is, is usually fairly consistent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mine's always been really consistent. So what might be really interesting is if everyone, if you were, say, at a networking or a social event and you were asked to by someone, so like, who are you? What would be interesting is if everyone can put in a chat how they would answer that. So if you uh, were put on the spot, so th if this was a networking or sort of social event and, and you were asked to describe yourself, how would you, how would you answer that? question now we'd write it in the chat yeah ideally because then we can see lots of lots of reactions but while everyone's typing if anyone wants to say 
I think I'm a complex person in some respects. I can be easygoing, but I can be very driven as well. Um, I'm very, I wouldn't, it's not necessarily career, but I'd like to learn and I enjoy um, lively discussions and debates and as a result of that, I don't suffer fools gladly. I'm very impatient with nonsense. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very short. And yes, I put up with a lot. I can be very patient. So there is that aspect of me. I can be very patient. But at the same time, if you are really being stupid and just ridiculous, then I'm going to explode. So I have a nasty temper too, but I am also very chilled. I'm very funny. I'm happy. I am, you can tell, okay? I'm gregarious, and, but there's a shy side to me as well. So I am everything. How is that for an answer? <laughs> it encompasses all. <laughs> You're not hedging your bets there, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> but I know myself. I can tell you. I can be very quiet and I listen and everything. And then I can just be just noisy and the whole work. Hell, I'm Jamaican, right? You know of a quiet introverted Jamaican? Nah, that's me. But I am, um, and I like my own company. But I also like a good party. So there it is. I get along better with men than women. Mm. <laughs> My best friends are male. <laughs> do you want the honest truth? Men see, women see me as competition. They don't like their husbands to talk to me. In my, in my youth, I was considered very pretty, therefore I was competition. So women just never liked me. And I decided, oh, well, to hell with it. I will stick with my male friends. How is that? <laughs> and was that here in the UK? No, Jamaica. Uh, okay. Well, here too, but Jamaica. Uh. And I keep friends for a very long time. My, some of my best friends are people that I have known from. My oldest friend, I went to what we call in Jamaica in those days, infant school, which, was, which would be the equivalent of kid, kindergarten, like four or five. I have one friend from that time and my best friend, I met her at university, first day of going to university, age 18. And we have been best friends since. And I have my closest friends otherwise were from high school before that, 14, 15, 16. I keep my friends. I think I'll have them for a lifetime. And you're all like-minded. No, okay. no, they're different. My best friend is, is totally different. She's, we are, we are, there are lots of similarities, but there is enough difference to make it interesting. She does things that I won't do. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, and 
we, but at the same time, we have a, a bond that is, she's like my sister because I have no sisters. And she's the closest thing to being a sister to me. Okay. <clears throat> so what I'm, what I'm looking at is really interesting is, do you, is everybody looking at the chat? Have they seen like the different ways that people describe themselves and see themselves? But there's some people by role by circumstance um some people by um how do you say um like in the sense of purpose or spirituality now does how you describe yourself change on the context no so um say yes how many yeah. people would say um, that they change depending on context or how they describe themselves? And how many would stay constant wherever they are? I think so, because in a professional sense, I would give a different um, description mm. of myself. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in a professional way, yes. There's a, there's a core of, of you that doesn't change, but... You know, certain. You're, I suppose human beings are always looking to connect with people, aren't they? So, you, you you try you try and go for some sort of shared experience with whatever group you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. You lie, but obviously there's a lot of you that makes up you. So you know, if you're if you're sort of older, then you, then you can choose what you want to reveal and and what not. I suppose, or what might give you a better connection in the context. But I think, for example, in a professional sense, um, there are certain attributes that come into play that might not, um, in terms of a general description, you think of. You know, are you a leader? Um, are you a team player? Do you, um, you know, certain characteristics that, that come to the fore in a working environment, which generally you may not think of off the top of your head. That's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's it's more it's more defined in a narrow sense, whereas in general you speak about all the aspects of yourself. You, yeah. Talking about yourself, but, but can you be a leader with it without being a follower? I don't think so. Because in order to be a leader, you have to be part of the group. And so you must have, unless you've set up the group, which is, um, to some extent, you have to follow others in order to get to that position. And sometimes, often, you're a leader to some, you know, in a hierarchical structure, you're a leader to some, but a follower to others. Okay. Um, I've been really stuck with this one because... The level of complexity, because um, normally it's quite fairly clear cut. It's like there's a problem and you can see where you are before, where you are after. And so what I want to ask is, what would you like to get out of today? Is it about understanding yourself more so that you're more um, emotionally balanced and, and you're in, um, personally uh, feeling better and being better version of yourself or is it understanding who you are to express to other people such as in in like connecting and dating 
I think for me, it's the latter in terms of um, being able to put things succinctly, I guess. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know about everybody else. I've, every time something like this, well, I say every time as if it's happened, it's the first time I got divorced, but um, it's certainly been a, a time of self-reflection for me. Um, I feel I've grown up as a person. Um, I mean, I know nobody's um, uh, work, nobody's done. You know, everybody's work in progress in some way. Um, but I personally feel that I'm a lot more comfortable with, more aware of with what I want in life, I suppose. And in a way, I've always known that, but subconsciously. So if I was unhappy, I probably didn't know why I was unhappy. And I'm probably more aware of it now. And I'm a lot more vocal about things than I was before. But Okay, so that's just me. But what mm. it means now, of course, is that as I'm discovering these new things, um, you know, if you're meeting people, and for me, it's been, I suppose, well, I meet new people all the time because of what I do. So I see a lot of new people every day. I talk to a lot of people I've never seen before. Um, but it's always on a work level. It's not on a personal level. Although, you know, we have a laugh and a chat because, again, I work as an auditor. So um, when I go in, people are nine out of them scared of me because they think I'm there to punish them in some way. So I have to try and lighten up the atmosphere, you know, have a few jokes, a laugh, usually at my expense, and, you know, just get them at ease. Um, but that's very different to being in a social environment. And I think when you said, oh, what about when you're in a party? I probably will be the scaredy cat in the corner. And yet when you see me in an audit, you'll, you will not know that, you know, I'm, mm. I'm the guy who is running the show, who is not afraid to go and talk to, I mean, I talk to people who run 100 million pound businesses quite comfortably in their boardroom. And quite yeah. often they're afraid of me. Um, and I'm kind of quizzing them. And yet, mm. you know, you put me in front of, I don't know, a couple of ladies who says, so what are you about, Errol? And I'll kind of be going, um, I think I need to run to the toilet now. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you might laugh, but it's true. Uh, so um, I, I suppose in that sense, I, I don't know. I suppose mine is uh, getting used to it or not getting, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. But here I'm just talking about it quite openly and comfortably. You know, without really being feeling embarrassed about it, which probably is something I would never have been able to do some years back. So, so for me, it's a succinct way. I mean, I mean, I've said a lot of things, but you know. So at the end of the day, how do you kind of say, well, this is what I'm about. Um, you know, what are you about? Or usually just try and find out about the other person because my interest at this point in life is mainly to, you know, make friends. Um, you know, if I can have a number of people I talk to on a regular basis, we have a laugh, we have a chat, you know, for me, that's, that's kind of, you know, it's great because I'm trying to kind of start my social circle after 24 years of marriage. It's kind of <laughs> starting all over again. Um, for me, it's more about finding sort of consistency and accepting myself as a whole and not rejecting the bits of myself that I don't like. 
so I can get to that place sometimes where I do accept myself as a whole, but it's not ever consistent. I'll go back to rejecting the part of myself I don't like. Um, so I'd like to get out of that, um, out of this to be able to move forward with more consistently accepting myself as a whole. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. Uh, I think I think for me, given the context of the course, it was about understanding yourself and and what makes you compatible with others. You know, like similarities, differences. What what makes for a good mix? Okay. Um, I'm not, yeah, obviously because of the limitations of time, there's, there's so much to do, which is where I was kind of like, there's so much we can, could do. Where, where do we um, go? So we can briefly cover some of them. Um, probably Richard, what you were talking about is probably more, I would say relationship DNA, which is a, a little bit deeper, um, but we will probably have a separate one. I mean, obviously these, meetups only skim over the top of them um but we can go some way towards it um is there anyone else got anything any different aims um i um i'm i think i have a similar problem to Irel, and um, that i'm on a professional basis i'm very open i can talk about my about my profession about what i want about what the others need to do and things because I'm a I'm a construction site manager so I'm telling them what needs to be done I don't have a problem at all but on a private level if somebody asks me how are you uh, who are you tell me more about you I cannot because I, I, I cannot talk about myself somehow <laughs> I don't know okay why. yes because it's easy to hide behind a role yeah because the role gives you the responsibility it gives you the position yeah. so to, to have that for yourself okay anyone else before we I was just going to say just briefly um, about kind of um, emotion, something logic that happens with me quite consistently. Um, and I feel it's an ongoing problem, not just in relationships. It could be something happens and maybe from a logical point of view, it might not be that bad, but emotionally it can be quite catastrophic at times. Um, and it seems to be, well, it's definitely a problem and it's something that I'd like to resolve, um, be it relationship with yourself in regards to tonight's topic and or relationship with somebody else. Okay. Okay. So I think we've, we've pretty much covered that. I just want to show you um, something to start with. So I'm just going to share my screen. Uh yeah. Okay, so really, when I look at people, I think of people as, as being like a computer. So that people, computers have, um, they have hardware, which limit, limits the ability ultimately of what the computer can do. They have um, an operating system, so like Windows or iOS, which um, helps the system to run and then they have software programs or apps that enable them to to use basically use it for for a purpose 
So, and um, people have genetics, and so our genetics set the height that we're going to be. They set our temperament, whether we're introvert, extrovert. They set um, our, our basic personality. Then there's the operating system, and the operating system is the set of beliefs, the frameworks that we work from, and mostly this is taken in by our culture, by what we've learned, and then depending on how much we overwrite or, or upgrade that ourselves personally, um, that determines really how how things work. And then skills, like for example, dating and relationships, are skills. So these are just something that you, you um, that you can upgrade um, as you develop them. So people often think of themselves um, as not being good at this or not being good at that. And I think it like the limits of what your potential are are set by your genetics. So like, if you're like, for example, I'm never going to be a basketball player. Um, but um, within that, there's a range of how much you, um, your genetics, which is, uh, affects your potential by your operating system and your skills. So when we change the operating system, we change really the, kind of the framework. And when we change that, it's like an upgrade. It's like when Windows or iOS gets an upgrade, it, it enables new functionality. And then skills are like apps that allow us to do certain things. So, um, yeah, all of us are made up of like who we are at the core, the fears that we have, and the dreams that we have and i've covered up the last bit and and yeah um most of the problems that we have around um self-acceptance self-awareness is a sense of identity that we identify ourselves with a job and so when we lose the job um people have this crisis of identity when we lose the relationship what it's really about is our identity and it's about how fixed we are with that identity um, which determines most of our problems so then i was looking at and i was thinking well um within an identity there's layers there's layers to that there's there's who we are genetically at our core there's then there's like the temperament the personality factors um, the experiences that the the things that have happened to us, the environment we're in, the level of awareness that we have about ourselves, the perspective we're taking on it, because someone else will see us entirely differently just based on the perspective and the mindset that we have. So that's really what I wanted to um, just to talk about in, in terms of the complexity and then within that then so that's kind of like i see that as a horizontal like depth of different layers but then within that there's going from our best self to our worst self which is really determined by how much we accept ourselves because in certain in certain times when we're in a better mood when we're feeling more confident and i think may um this is sort of what may was saying when in, in terms of the personalities being different 
when we are in a more you know when we're out talking to people we're going to be more comfortable being extrovert when we're um solitary we're going to be less comfortable um and so all in all of these dimensions in some ways it changes horizontally as well so okay so let's look at let's look at how how do you describe yourself uh briefly let me have a look um if it's on this So one way of um, one way of describing yourself in in terms of relating to other people is let me just change this so you can see it better is um, what I is like a, a connection matrix. So when you're describing yourself, there's the sense of identity of who you are. So at the core, who you are doesn't change. But in different environments, people change. And who you are is really a tool about for you to come to a sense of, uh, is really a, who you are is really a perspective. So you come to self-acceptance when you come to a perspective on yourself. And you... Um, and it's, but who you are is all, a sense of identity is also something for, for other people to describe you as. So, um, so who you are is, is also in relation to the context and in relation to the person that you're talking to. So you're, you, you know, as, as people have kind of picked up, when you describe yourself as a, as a parent, as a parent, so on the so okay so if you describe yourself as a parent and you take yourself and put yourself in the other person's shoes then you're like like to a little child you're everything to and then when you put yourself to maybe your boss and you put yourself in your boss's shoes in your boss's shoes you're someone um that they are looking to fulfill a role and when you look in terms of a relationship, you are someone that they're looking to, to have their needs met, really. So we have to be able to, to take the different layers. And for ourselves, we need to know who we are so that we're able to be aware of who we are and accept who we are. But then we need to also use that in a way that, we, that is meaningful to someone else in connection with their story. Does that make sense? Mm. So like this connection matrix is really a way of showing people who you are in different contexts, in different, in, there's different levels of energy. So also when you're talking to someone, if it's a really deep conversation, then you're going to go, you know, really deep about someone's dreams. But if it's a really superficial superficial level, then you're going to be more looking at, you know, what are your hobbies? What are your, um, what are your interests? So are you saying that there are different layers that you need to recognize? Yeah. And 
acknowledge that they, I suppose, layers come to, well, they move around depending on, on context. Well, the, yeah, the layers are there, but your identity, yeah, your identity moves depending um, on depending on what situation you're in. So, for example, if someone if someone's in a job and their identity is very fixed to that job, and then they lose that job, it's suddenly that it's an identity crisis, and then and then they have that big um, emotional attachment to that. And it's because of their emotional attachment to their identity, which they've now lost. And it's the same dynamic when after a breakup, you've lost that relationship, your identity was in that relationship. Suddenly you've got a crisis of identity, which is why it's a hard transition. So then it's a recognition of layers and an ability to be fluid in terms of how you move around uh, or move through those layers in response to an external Yes. So it's a fluidity of identity of knowing that you are like, as you said, you are all of those things, but you, and and this also goes to Errol's point and it's about being able to pinpoint and, and, and being sensitive to what level of your identity relates to them. Is association and identity the same thing? Association. What do you mean by association? Uh, because if you associate yourself with something or someone, is that the same as identifying with something or with someone? Yes, it's because it's kind of associating and identifying with, um, identifying with. So, so when you talked about logical and emotional, that's an emotional attachment um, to with of your identity to them. And so if you, if you can be relaxed and let go of that identity, then you let go of the emotional attachment. Okay. So you're not talking about self-worth here, are you? Sorry? You're not talking about self-worth. You know, sometimes people identify their self-worth in terms of their position or their income or um, their car or something. Yeah. Or, their, or their body image even um, and, and they're, they're kind of that defines them they feel great about themselves because they earn I don't know hundred thousand pounds a year and they like mm. to brag about it and that they kind of feel that they're a successful person as a person as a human being because they earn that money um, yes. and when they lose it then all of a sudden am I now worthless because I <laughs> And whereas all along what they haven't done is to align themselves with the true principles in life um, and what makes them a human being. Um, so that, because those things are eternal. Yes. So is that what you're talking about? Yes. Um, yeah. So if you're relying on those things, um, there's a fragility to that because as soon as that, as soon as someone is in a context where that's not relevant or they lose those things, then what meaning do they have? Like traditionally, um, men have had a yes. crisis uh, at retirement because their identity, their sense of identity, their sense of position in relation to everyone else. You know, this is going back to where men were the traditional breadwinners. And when they don't have that role, it's a crisis of what, what's the point? What, you know, what purpose do I have? 
but isn't it a separation of the things that you acquire or the roles that you acquire versus what actually makes you up as a person? In other words, having a job or, or a fulfilling career, that's something that you acquire, but you may or may not have that, um, but you're still you. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. So it's, 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 I suppose, using that to fill that, that, that gap in, in terms of um, probably thinking that that makes you who you are. Mm. Rather so, than other attributes. Yes. So, so then there's also, there's a sense of, um, like, who am I in the sense of um, I'm someone, and, and first you want to be someone worthy, you want to build out this sense of an ego of, of who I am. Um, but eventually, the, the next, after that, like, if you stop at that level of like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm successful, I'm, uh, I have this, I have this. Well, as the world bashes you about, as it will to all of us, um, then like that, that sense is, is fragile or you can be like, uh, as most women talk about on, on dates, like you go on a date and certain, some guys trying to impress you with, I've got this, I've got this, I do this. I'm, and I'm so important. And that's something that, you know, women talk about a lot and as a problem with men on dates and all that's about is their sense of I has stopped at that level. And then, but after that is about, you know, what's my purpose? And my purpose has to be in relation to other people. And so then it, even your sense of identity stops being about yourself, but your identity becomes your family, your becomes your community or, 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 or whatever. So there's, there's a level of growth. If that makes sense. Okay, so am I understanding then that what there is, is there, there's a core, in other words, the essential you. And then there are these layers, which would, I suppose, be the, the layer of, um, and I, I, I would think that for, it, it varies for different people, wherein your career or your job, your profession, whatever, may be the next layer as an important part of you in terms of how you consider what you consider yourself yourself um and then maybe your outer um relationships interactions family etc would be another would be another layer uh, but then but then the, the the core is really the the, the part that is about you the, the, the yeah because yeah. at the core everyone's unique yeah um, and they're unique in that mix of everything. Because those, those, those layers are acquired. I, I, I think what I'm getting at is from your born, there are certain, as you said, your genetics, there are certain characteristics that come with you that make you up and you build on those. And um, the career is, in a sense, a social... Uh, it, 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 it's part of our socialization and part of what we are and how we sit and find ourselves um, and, and, and relate to others and work uh, um, and, and place ourselves in a hierarchy, so to speak, or in a, in, in, a, in a society and find our place. But 
Um, if you were to strip that away, who are you? That's, that's the question. I think it's down to exactly what you're comfortable being associated with. Because there's many things that I've done in my life. And as much as I've done them, they're all experiences. However, it's like I can't really use them as identity. Identity is something you've got to be proud of. And to a degree, you've got to fit in with your peers. If everyone around you is married and happy. But, you know, I've got loads of different identities. I've done many things, but I ain't fitting into that group. Um, you kind of still feel shit about yourself, even though uh you've got all this other stuff but if everyone that you're surrounded with is all married that's kind of the norm then you feel like you need that part part of that layer uh to kind of form your identity so it's about being happy because there's many identities you can have but it's which ones you feel happy to be associated with there's no one person despite they may feel like they're hermits and don't do anything they have an identity but whether they're happy with it yes I think I think there's two there's two key principles which um, speak to um, acceptance, and the first is the difference between recognizing whether you're playing a finite or an infinite game. Okay, so a finite game is a sport like football or tennis, where um, there's rules, there's a clear winner, um, and you know when someone's won. So at the end of a match, you know who's won a football match, you know who's won a tennis match. So in an infinite game, you, an infinite game is where, I'm just going to mute everyone, uh, but unmute yourself if, if you want to speak. Um, so an infinite game is something like, so, so what you were talking to May was, was the sense of other people are doing better than you. And this is something that people feel in a lot of ways. People are more ahead in their career, more ahead in, um, in relationships or in whatever context. And so like society is driven by like keeping up with the Joneses and things like that. And that's, playing an infinite game by finite game rules. So when you're judging yourself as if you're playing a finite game, but, you're, but an infinite game like relationships or life or work is really an infinite, it, it, it keeps going. Does that make sense? I don't think I'm really clear on that one, to be honest. Okay. I, can, I can see the points that you're making um, in terms of you're saying that it there's no clear end because it ends when you die, sort of thing. Um, and there's, I suppose there's no real start. But I, I'm struggling to kind of logicalize it in terms of. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so when you're like, what May talked about was when you're you might see other people so this is a big thing like people see other relationships on on facebook and they feel oh like you know our relationship isn't as good or i'm single and like a lot of people have talked spoke about a pressure feeling a pressure to be in a relationship like like there's something wrong with being single um and so it happens in terms of 
careers, people feel like I'm not as far ahead. Does that make sense? Do you get that bit? So what's happening there is you're playing an infinite game with finite game rules in the sense of one person is more ahead, one person's... So an infinite game is, is like only against you. You're not competing against anyone else. So it's, it's where you are and just improving where you are and improving your situation. Does that make more sense, Alan? Yeah, it's just, it's just a bit difficult when you've got... Um, I think the comparison comes in when, with, with time, doesn't it? Where you, you might look at your peers and they might have certain things. They, you know, like, like for example, I'm 41. I don't have any children. I've never really wanted any, um, but only within the past couple of months I've decided that maybe I would. Um, I'm not in a relationship at the moment. Um, and, you know, if I was to have children, I, I suppose I would have to look towards doing it pretty soon because of time. Um, so from what, in the context of what you're saying in terms of being a, an infinite game, my time on that front is finite because I wouldn't want to be, you know, having children in 10 years' time when I'm 51 and then I'm 61 when they're 10 and stuff like that. So I, I, do, I do see where you're coming from, but I think it does have its limitations. Okay. So, but, it, but it's the awareness. It's the awareness that it's you that's putting the pressure on. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely it is, it is yourself. But I suppose you're doing it by society's um, rules, i.e. at 20, for example, you should, you should have a level of ed education. At 25, you should be in a relationship. At 30, you should have a job. 35, you should have kids. Hmm. We, we've got these, these certain parameters in place. And, and then some people do adhere to them, but there's a lot of people that don't. And I suppose maybe expectation plays a, plays a part within that and the expectation is aspects of society but it is as you rightly say it is also on what your expectations of yourself and where where your life will be i certainly didn't expect to be single by the time i'm 41 i thought i would be married you know um i'm, I'm only saying that because we're talking about relationships but there's other areas where i, I have succeeded where my peers haven't so there's a crossover on different things and i suppose as human beings we'll always want something that we that we can't have but the reality is you're quite right it's down to your mindset if you, if you the way we're perceiving things is is having a negative effect on our our lives and you know we're here today to try and alter and by my understanding alter our perception so we can be more successful with our relationships with ourselves, which ultimately should lead to more successful relationships with other people. Yeah, and it, so really that comes from, aware, from awareness and then acceptance. Um, and it's understanding and, and the awareness is that their external um, expectations, external, they're externally imposed. And often they're imposed because it's for the benefit of someone else. So when you look at 
culturally what the expectations are and family values and things like that that comes because it's better for society um and so uh, you, you, like you have the choice of doing what you want and um other people are going to put that pressure on you because other people want it either they sometimes they want it for you well meaningly but it, it um like what you strive towards should be your goal and the extent to which it's contaminated by expectations by comparison is the extent that you're going to feel anxiety stress um and pressure but how 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 will we find our goal if we don't i mean if we don't really know who, who we are and what our goal is yeah that well that's yeah, i mean it's it all starts with awareness of of what what is your goal um so do you have a context in in that you'd like to to talk about in terms of a goal um everything really i mean the country where i live in if i want to stay here uh, if i i mean from outside for example also i get the pressure that i should be married uh, i should start thinking about kids um, but in, i don't really have the um, this pressure i just get it from from outside but at the same time i think um like ellen i mean my time is limited and i know that i want children but i know that i don't want them now and yeah that's what i mean with finding my goal if i want children and yeah i don't know okay i just want to add something further to what alan and carolyn said if that's okay rob yeah sure i was just thinking um it i guess i guess it's a bit like um, all the pressures of society things that you know, to get married, to have kids. I think they're just tested and tried out methods, which tends to work for most people. And so they continue to, you know, generally work for most people, but it doesn't work for everybody. And I think we have to bear that in mind a little bit when it comes to relationships or, or you know, even the rat race that we all went through having to sort of secure our first job after a degree, if we've done a degree and then um, you know, buy that house, um, but not anymore for students because <laughs> of the debt. But yeah, so I just think they've just tried and tested methods that our parents have passed on to us and have generally worked in terms of bringing the most, you know, making us most fulfilled and most happy. But I think that there are other things that can do that today. And it's just a question of us exploring it a little bit more. I don't know. And um, taking a risk and nobody likes to take a risk, but it's about just you know if we feel we don't fit into that role um then just to take a few risks as otherwise you know never know um what kind of risks because i've cha i've challenged her so many times the frustration of like as much as it's expectations put on you from society that you should settle down and have kids and have a family well, well one example is just to go and travel to move to a different country i've done that it's, okay it's that's done. something that um yeah and that's for some people that can be um, a huge risk to sell everything and just go. It could be just, you know, one example is that. Um, the issue I'm finding is everything's very short lived. Family feels like potentially it can be um, have a longevity to it. All the random experiences I've gone through, I've been, done a lot of stuff, I'm quite nomadic. 
um, kind of move around a lot, engage different people, whatever people do, then I engage with whatever activities cross my path. My life has been pretty much the go explore, which is great. However, it does get to a point where it's just the same old, same old. It's like, okay, yep, yet another thing that would just be thrown into the memory bank. But it holds no value after a while. After you've done it many times, but if it's your first first go, great. It's a fantastic feeling, doing something different. But, you know, you've got to reach around about 40 or 50, depending where you started this. I started this quite early. Okay, um, you're talking about existential experiences. Um, you know, it's about what meanings we draw from those experiences and what impact that has on us as an individual. I don't know. You need something that lasts. Experiences, yeah. anything you go for, you can achieve it. Once you've achieved it, you're left with nothing again. I, I, I think experiences are something that um, you experience them, but you have to give them a context. You ha- and there has to be, unless you, you're able to put them in a kind of a thing, they are just an experience that will pass, which is why hedonism, hedon- hedonic living um, doesn't really, isn't really very satisfying because it doesn't have a sense of meaning and so it's it's you constantly having have to be raising the bar yeah so i suppose the question what's been the sort of biggest challenge in trying to find an answer to if one doesn't follow the path of actually settling down having kids which is a you know a long-term kind of goal and long-term kind of commitment um what other commitments can one commit to that will actually provide the same sort of longevity and satisfaction because yeah. Exactly. It, it just isn't that there's only so much you can keep chasing it's tiring i've chased mm. many things the only thing i can't seem to achieve is securing a relationship i'm happy with and you know that's why i have kind of tried to explore other means of satisfying one's living rather than relying upon you know finding a partner try and find other things go experience go explore go throw yourself out there yeah i've done it all it's well not obviously not everything but they're short-lived they mm. don't last long they don't People say go explore different stuff. Yeah, okay, that's cool. It's short-lived. That's great. Which you've you know gone over that bridge, but then what? Nothing seems to replace. I don't agree that you know that's all you're on this world for to have children and have a family. There must be more to, to life than that. But I don't know what it is unless you, you you're lucky enough to feel entrepreneurial enough to want to start a business, grow you know a massive built like massive business. That's great. But I don't really have that in me. So. If I can't grow in that, because that has like an equal kind of longevity to it to a degree, I suppose the other thing is just throw yourself into your job. But to be honest, I spend most of my life in my job, but it means to an end. Um, doesn't feel like it's going to replace that void of having a family. Mm. It's, what What's yeah. the answer to replacing that void? Because go traveling and stuff like that. Yeah, that's exciting initially for the first two months. What was it? Two years, maybe. Um but once you're done, that ain't gonna last you till you're retired and mm. you know, when you're retired and you've got more things to look forward to. You you need energy and money to do it, and once you've done it, it's gone. It's a lovely memory. It's there. So it's mate, mate you know what saying. Are you and you don't have to answer this because it is quite a personal question. Um but it is in relation to this, the topic of today. Uh, do you feel comfortable within yourself? I'm comfortable with myself, but I don't feel I belong. Um, in the society that has been created, the culture that has been created, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Is it that um, what's missing is passion about something that drives you um, 
beyond just the experience of something now in other words you do something i'm sorry i have to go but um that's okay <laughs> that's good um, i get with your question though I, yes I, I, I could kind of pick up from, from, from your answer to Alan's question. I think um, you, you, you said there's a dissatisfaction with how society is. So mm-hmm. I look at this basically three challenges that we have in life. Um, and most things can come, like you say, you can have experiences, but they're short lived. You can, um, you know, like we can have hookups that are quite easy to get, but it's not satisfying in the same way a relationship is. There are, so there's three basic uh, questions that we have to answer, which is like, what skills do I have that I can be successful and survive? And, you know, how can I use my strengths? Um, so that's the first one that's sort of related to career. Or if you disagree with the way society is, what can you do to enrich society um, and let it learn from what's, what's wrong? The second one is a sense of belonging um, and not everyone is going to be in a relationship, but for most people, a relationship is the base of that. Um, and it's not just the relationship it's more than that, but it's for most people, it's a big, big part of it. And then the last one is what gives my life meaning? And obviously these aren't three simple questions. These are three questions that you have to devote to and you have to um, build Mm-hmm. Um, some meaning around and, and some in, and it takes time and investment in order to do that yeah I face those questions to be honest I've discovered well I personally discovered and sort of formulated the answer that life is special because of the fact that you get to form you know make your own little happy world the only problem what I've discovered is I'm struggling to kind of make this world happy because people people I don't feel I've met the group of people that are positive to my environment. Um, people don't connect the way in an authentic way. And there's nothing I can really do about that. A single person that ultimately doesn't seem to, you know, everyone's happy to live the same grind. They will not break away from that grind. And I'm not going to have a loud enough voice to kind of alter people. People will stick with what they know, even though they're not fully satisfied, they will stick to it. So what do you do? What's the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to find happiness. But what happens if your happiness relies upon things that you just can't change? You can't change people. You can't change the whole societal culture. Um, what do you do? That's, I've been staring at those questions for a long time. I haven't found an answer. It's very frustrating. You get short-term but stuff. You but... do. So Sorry? If, if you feel that way, because I, so, I, I know where you're coming from, in that case, can't you just do you and have your own happiness and hope to attract the right people at some point? Because I'm sure there are, like, I'm listening to you and I know exactly where you're coming from. And I'm sure that there are other people out there like that. Maybe you just haven't met them yet. Maybe so. I don't know where they're hiding there. Like I can so- say, I live in London. There's a lot of people in London. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And now, Remote London. islands. Out of London as well. Yeah, I've lived outside London. I've even lived in Singapore. I've been, I've been globally. I've been everywhere, and no. nowhere's, no one's. I just not discovered them. And you know, after so many years, you do get kind of uh, rather tired of the journey. Kind of thinking, well, what else is there? And that's why I've been facing the other question. 
what else can replace that void of a family? May if I can interject on this, um, I, I can again. I, I can honestly. I know exactly how you're feeling because I've thought of that for a very, very long time, uh, and, I, and I was really angry at society and my friends and my family because you get to a point when people don't really understand you, and when you you have a bit of, of an existential crisis, uh, it's very, very difficult for you to come out of it. And you look at the news, you look at what's around you, and nothing's positive. So you do wonder what what next. But from my experience, I am um, going back to what the previous lady said. I found myself and I started working on myself and I started, you know, paying attention to the kind of things I like, to who I am and how I was brought up and the sort of things I like, the sort of things that I don't like. Uh, and as I started doing that, I started attracting people. I mean, I'm, I'm in London as well. I started attracting people who are also looking to better themselves, who uh, are interesting to, they're interested to, meet other people who are also looking to just better working on personal development they're working on their previous traumas and so on so um it's great that you're asking those questions because that's how you get those answers and the fact that you're here today i think it shows that you're in the right place because um, a lot of us feel the same as you do so um you never know i mean you will meet people you just have to manifest it out there but, i mean um one of the things that helped me out a lot was spirituality i mean i started meditating and I started meeting other people that meditated and I found a lot of bad people and I found a very very few amounts of good people and I stuck to the good ones and I let go of the bad ones and um, you know we look for temporary things but and, and in this world you know even when you get family your family won't be with you for your whole life and that's one of the key things about codependency uh, you can't be dependent on someone or something because nothing is eternal so eventually everything will leave so you need to find that peace within yourself because at the end of the day, uh, you walk alone and um, as much as people will be next to you, one day they might leave. So it's best for you to depend on yourself. Um, but that's what I take. I find loads of lovely people. And one day they might live. They might you know, do their own activities and, and whatever, but I'm confident and comfortable and happy for the time I spend with them. So, um, I mean, that's something that I found me. And, but I feel exactly the same as you. I had to find a lot of answers to all these questions and I'm still looking for more answers. Uh, but I mean, that's why I'm happy to be here because you get to be around people who feel the exact same way as you do. So that's my take, me. And I live in London, so, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of our Londoners as well. And there's a, there is a lot of us who are just hungry and thirsty for answers. And they just wanna, they just wanna be around other people who want to be better themselves. So you will find them. Just manifest it out there and you will get there. You will find it. I, I, think, that. I think there's always, there's always layers. Um, and as you work through the layers, there's also a narrative. And, and we trap ourselves in a narrative. And all the world has everything. It has, you know, as Gaz was saying, it has good, it has bad. And it's what we're focus on, focusing on that we see. Um, and it's just about finding the perspective and the level that you can connect with. Um, but I'm, I'm conscious of time and I know people are going to have to um, leave earlier um, before, uh, you know, like at nine o'clock. So what I want to do just to talk about, um, to sort of 
an exercise that might work for what Errol was talking about and um, and also Sasha and I can't remember the other person. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go into breakout rooms and being as honest as you can. Actually, before we go into a breakout room, we're just going to have two minutes to think to yourself and your job to think to yourself is what um okay so we're looking for what are my most negative traits and you're maybe looking for five so three to seven most negative traits so i'm going to give everyone two minutes to think about what they might be Okay, is anyone that would like to talk about what they came up with? You were just getting into it there. <laughs> I was too short. Okay, but does anyone have their list that they, they would be happy to? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can be quite impatient. That was my, that was, I suppose, my biggest one on my list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about any of the others? Um, well, yeah, I can be quite dismissive of people. That, that comes down to impatience as well. If it's, if it, um, if it's not something that I, at a time that I want it, then I'm just like, we'll just forget it. <laughs> you know, and I can be quite dismissive of people as well. Okay. That. Um, and any more or anyone else? Um, I so so a friend a friend I was speaking to on Friday who I know really well and knows me well um, said that it's hard to like give me advice or it takes me a long time to take on advice which I which I know I mean and had rationalized this I'm generally very logical and so I like to hear things from like two or three people and you know with the first one it's like okay I'll, I'll listen to the second one it's like okay maybe there's something here and with the third one it's like okay maybe there's something I actually need to to do to, to, to take this on board. Um, okay. but I've, actually, I've actually found that she's pretty insightful in terms of the things she observes about me. So, so I'm trying to think about it. Say that again? I, sorry, I think that was unrelated. So that, that was one I had. Uh, in terms of relationships, sometimes I feel Sometimes I feel I always want to get like the last word. It's not a big thing, but sometimes I'm a little bit petty. So I, okay. I, I, stick petty in last, I stick in the last word just to have a little bit of a go at, at the other side. Okay. Um, I can be over analytical, which means, I mean, like people said in my group, some of these things are not necessarily bad things, but it means I sometimes hemorrhage on a decision and certain personality types get frustrated with me because they're like, you can't make up your mind. Whereas I see it as being very thorough and making up my mind just takes longer. Okay. So we've got 20 minutes left. So everybody's going to give you advice for 20 minutes, Richard. Because <laughs> <Cool. laughs> you're going to ignore. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So we've got a few. So um, it was Chantel was the first two and then we got Richard's. Right. So, um, so these are your characteristics at your worst self. And you probably notice that 
you do them in certain times with like when you're stressed or when you don't have time or whatever. So that's, that's the worst self. So w- let's look at what's the opposite. So what if they're the same? Is it the same? No. So what, so th- what's the opposite of impatient? No, but I mean, uh, the reason why I've, I've said that is because my worst um, was, was love commitments and um, can't even remember the other one, sorry. Um, but they were all uh, things that's, that on the face of it should be positive things, but has resulted in positive, sorry, resulted in negative things. So I was just basically saying that even in relationships, I've had the other person do or behave in very, very nasty negative ways. And because of the commitment elements, because of the love elements, um, I've stuck by them when I shouldn't have done. Um, so we, even those are positive, they also are negative traits. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so I kind of, yeah, I kind of see. Um, so that would be a, like loyalty. Yeah. Um, that would, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd say I'd say sorry that they were positive, but what's missing the the negative there would be that you might not have the um, ability to distinguish or to be able to put boundaries or get out of a situation. So it's not that the other qualities are bad, it's that there's something lacking that you would have needed in that situation. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like, because as I say, um, it's the emotion that's always been my problem. And um, like, for example, like this was many years ago, but I was just sitting on the end of the bed and an ex-girlfriend just jumped, Jumped, jumped on me back and started laying into me because she was drunk and I didn't even know what was going on. Um, and then the next day, I forgave her because I loved her. And, you know, I was committed to her and I was loyal and all that. And now you look back all these years later and I can't say I would make a different decision if that was to happen again. You know what I mean? And, and that's an emotional thing. Logic would say you'd be stupid to do that. But so- so is that a, 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 a like fixation and attachment to an identity of being loyal um, and it's around the definitions of those things? Loyalty or, what? Or potentially because you do feel that strongly for, for that person that you will be willing to forgive. I don't know. I don't know the answer really. Or is okay. it that you're unwilling to take a stand? You're af- you're afraid of upsetting the other person. Oh no, no. You know, when, on, on this particular example, I went mad and said, "You know what are you doing?" And get out and threw them out the house. Not like literally, but just like said, "Get out," and he did. And then the next day, they apologised, and I just basically said, "Okay," because of the way I felt about them. But then it happened to other on two other occasions as well. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that's... Because on the first time, you don't know. You have to see a certain pattern, don't you? Um, and so sometimes, you know, it, it could have been that being loyal or forgiving in that context could have been positive. It's you, just you don't know with the person. I think, like Sasha says, it's, it depends on on the context and the, and the situation. Okay, Um Right, so 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 what we're looking for in terms of if it's 
impatient and, and loyal doesn't quite fit into this because I think that's slightly different issue. But when you're looking at what's consistently been your most negative traits. So when we're looking at something like impatient, the opposite would be patient. All right. So now Chantel, would you say that you're ever going to be a patient person? I'm working on it, you know, so I do want to be a patient person. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on it. <laughs> and hope that okay. it, it happens. So, no, no, hope. I'm, I'm going to work on it. and actually going to be more patient eventually. Okay. So what's the opposite of being dismissive? Um, in, in, the, in the case that I'm thinking, is it just accepting, accepting others for what they, who they are and just allow it and then just, you know, just allow them to be themselves? <laughs> maybe okay so maybe yeah. the opposite of dismissive is accepting or yeah, is it maybe. um or is it a bit more than accepting is it um when, well in, in the in the case what well, in in the thought pattern i have when especially a particular person um talks to me because they they're quite long-winded people person so they will give me a story about a story about a story and then i just lose it so i don't need to know all this uh, but um, so in, her, in that person's case, it's just accepting that this is just how she is. And actually, she's, she loves to talk, she loves to tell stories. So I just need to learn to accept her and for who she is and keep it, keep it moving. Okay. Yeah. Could, could respect be a part of that? Respect? Yeah. Just, yeah, like I mean, accepting who she is, like, respecting the fact that she's a child. Yeah, actually, Sandra, I think the opposite of dismissive is respecting. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think, I think so. Right, Richard, let's get back to you. So not taking advice, what would be the opposite? Would be... I mean, I was trying to think when you were talking. Uh, I thought it might be listening, but I, don't, I think it's more than that. So that would, that, the, the opposite of not taking advice would mean to take everyone's advice at, yeah. without, at, you know, like take it without any discernment. Yeah, just to, yeah. Okay, what would be the opposite of being petty? <laughs> um, what's the opposite? I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's a little. It smacks a little bit of being a bit childish. <laughs> okay, but but you're still in the negative because you're still judging it. So I mean, so I mean, grown up or mature. Okay, yeah, could be, could be an opposite. I think there's more to it than that. But. Yeah, I, I'd put it sort of saint-like. <laughs> well, that's, kind of, that's kind of a bit too far. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the opposite of being over-analytical is, is to be faultless. It's, yeah. it's not really, like, careless. Just to be, take, yeah, take on board everything. Okay, so we've got the worst and we've got the best. So if everyone's doing this for themselves. So the, the best and the worst are complete opposite traits. So if you're impatient, you're probably never going to be patient. If you're dismissive, you, you're probably not going to be totally respecting. If you're not going to take anyone's advice, you're not going to suddenly take everyone's advice. Um, so that these are the polar opposites. Okay. And it could take all your effort on one trait to try and be different. But what's unique about us is when we can take our worst self and then spun it in, into what it can be. So 
let's look. So, for example, someone who's very critical, they could be discerning. They're never going to be accepting of everyone. Um, someone who, so, okay, so Richard, what would be the um, spun version of being over analytical? So spun being opposite. So, so what would be, okay, so over analytical is you at your worst. Yeah. Careless would be the opposite yeah. and you don't want to be careless. But what does being over analytical give you in your best context? Oh, assurance that I'm making the right decisions. Okay, so you make good decisions. Yeah, and, and you're confident in your decisions. Yeah, I tend to be someone who sticks to decisions once they're made. I don't, I find other people don't spend so long analyzing and then they start to ask themselves questions subsequently. I don't do that. Okay, so, so you have uh, a strength in being able to make those decisions. Um, in terms of being petty, uh, so you, you would be like grown up, uh, saying, so, I mean, I think the, I think the spun, I think sometimes when I'm petty, it's, it's, it's done out of a humor and an ability still to connect with the person. Cause so I'm not petty all the time. It's just sometimes when mm, yeah. things with people, there's an opportunity to almost be slightly snide and slightly sarcastic and, and have a, have a poke at them. Mm. But it's, 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 it's often done in humor as a way to close off a conversation or, or still or bring some humor to a situation that's getting too tense or <clears throat> that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I had some sense of it was about connection. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying um, when I waiting to have a go at people or no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so because all of us have these negative traits, um, we're not going to turn negative into positive, but we can turn them in. They're, they're something that defines us. So Chantel, so impatient. So if you're, if you're never going to be patient, what is the version of you, the trait impatient, but when you're at your best? Um, I guess I'm not, I won't waste, I don't know. I won't allow people to waste my time, I guess. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, so that's like having strong boundaries, having a good yeah, sense of yeah. not wasting time. Definitely. And so the opposite of the, the, the better version of dismissive is. Um, that's a good one, actually. Not too sure. Maybe. Oh. Sorry. Um, I thought somebody said something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure who or, or what. Um, so, okay. So the fun version of dismissive. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I'll do, um, we'll have two minutes. Mm -hmm. So for everyone can have a chance to work out um, what are, you might not get like, so you've got your wor uh, worst, you're not going to go to the best, but you can have three or five things that are quite unique about you and they they take from you at your worst to you at your best does that make sense to everyone yeah but i would i would like to know what uh, what's the good version of uh, dismissive <laughs> i think uh, dismissive is about um, accepting that you're accepting people 
I think it's opinions? a only Chantel can know, but I mm. think it's about um, having a strong sense of independence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, Chantel, but in two minutes' time, Chantel's mm. going to come back and report back. Okay. <laughs> Um, so if you can do that for individually okay looks like everyone's back so Errol if I'm going to pick on you do you feel that you have do you feel that you have um some things that could describe you like as a range as a range so as in here's me at my worst here's me at my best okay um so i suppose um at my worst if i'm under pressure I can be impatient or, and as I was saying before as well, uh, if I'm excited about something and it might be good excitement, um, I tend to raise my voice that people think I'm actually shouting, but I don't even realize I'm doing it. I have various bad habits like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and I suppose also I can be quite organized and analytical in some ways, um, more so than not. So um, that can also mean that some people find it, especially if they're more carefree, they may find that a little bit too controlling, I suppose. Um, you know, you, you're trying to organize everything, that sort of thing. Um, at my best, I guess, um, I'm quite, well, I don't know how to say it. I suppose I'm quite receptive to other people's ideas, so it doesn't always have to be my way. Um, quite happy to go along with somebody else, even if, and if they want to kind of do, let, let's wing it, you know, let's run by the seat of our pants. I don't particularly mind, um, but so long as I don't have a, say, say for example, how can I put it? Say for example, we are on holiday and let's say, for me to have a nice holiday, I want to be a beach bum. Um, and somebody else wants to go and explore the local uh, culture. Um, quite happy to do that as well. But if that's all we are doing and we are never being a beach bum, then I wouldn't be happy. You see, so while I'm happy to go along with other people, um, I'd like there to be some consideration of everybody's needs, in which case, then I'm happy to go along with it. So I can be flexible, but within reason. So what's the, what's the negative aspect of that? Well, negative aspect of it may be that if the other person turns around and says, no, 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 we need to go and um, explore everything. And, you know, beaches is just a waste of time. Who wants to be lying on, the, on that sand? That, that, that can potentially be a problem for me. I'm not going to always say, oh, well, okay, let's go and do it. And if I do do it, I will be unhappy and it will be obvious that I'm unhappy. Um, and that's, that's not a positive thing. I guess, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it isn't. 
Yeah, and no, I'm just wondering what the by Carolyn. Um, um, I'm just wondering what the so. I'm just wondering what what how it shows up when you're at your worst. Well. I mean, in that maybe I won't give you a good example, but as I say, I mean, uh, my, as I say, if I'm under pressure, my impatience, for example, comes into it. So that might be one to look at if, if you're looking for something that's okay. clear. Um, so I will, I will analyze things. I'll make a decision. Um, it needs to be made. Then I'll say, okay, this is the decision. These are the reasons. Um, if we need to make it now. So if somebody is considering it in detail, then I may become quite impatient. Well, come on, we need to make it. We need to make a decision here. We can't just sit around and I may get impatient waiting for the person to work it through in their head. Okay. So for example, if we were under hey. time pressure, Richard and I will end up arguing because Richard will want to go through everything quite rightly think it through six times over, make sure it's done properly. And I'll be saying, oh, come on, Richard, we're just going to take a chance. If it doesn't work out, we'll, we'll figure it out later. And okay. you know, then cause a conflict. So I think definitely uh, a group for next week should be you, Errol, Richard, and Chantel. <laughs> and yeah, anyone who's... who's if anyone's got a strength at giving advice, then they can go in as well. Um, okay, um, because I'm aware of time, uh, in, unless anyone wants to discuss anything they came up with or not sure of. Okay, so Richard, I, I remember you were the third person who, and you were talking about compatibility. So one way where this is relevant to compatibility is by looking at, um, what do I, what the difference between me at my best, me at my worst is how do I show up at my best? What, what do I need? That's what I need from a partner to be my best self in a relationship. I need someone that's going to make me in, in these be strong in these things rather than in being in a negative. So, so that question really addresses the compatibility. It's, a way of describing yourself, giving that range, and to speak to uh, Sasha's um, question at the beginning, it's a way of recognizing, and, and something that I realized that I didn't say explicitly was that the point of that operating system I never made clear, but the point of that is that given the same genetics and same circumstances and same environment, anyone else would do exactly the same as you do. Um, and it's recognizing that we are um, we're, we're determined by our genes, by our um, experiences, by our level of evolution and by our free will. Um, and within that, pretty much everyone, given the same, would do the same as us. So we, we can stop beating ourselves up for not being perfect and just look at what does it take to be the best that we can of ourselves okay so so if you want to if you've got time 
um, what we could do is look at other ways that you can describe your personality of who you are to someone else. Um, do, do you have time to, to go through that? Um, I'm, I'm all right with time, but can I just quickly just recap what you said? Are you effectively saying somebody who brings out the best in you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're looking at, this is me at my worst. This is me at my best for a relationship to work. It has to be someone who brings out the best in me um, and someone I bring out the best in them. And then that's how you have the best relationship. As opposed to someone that just balances you out. So Errol in the end. <laughs> you could try that we'll try that next week <laughs> yeah. see how that works so it's, so it's more about it's more about what they bring out in you than what what they yeah leaving you because i have i have heard people say you're better to strengthen your strengths than work on your weaknesses because there's a there's a theory that weaknesses ultimately that they persist and only so far you can shift them you're better to actually yeah amplify your strengths and not worry so much about your weakness it's more in a work context but anyway yeah yeah no i've heard uh, dan sullivan i think he, he said like you, you could spend your life on on having average weaknesses <laughs> um it's accepting yourself it's knowing who you are where you're best where you're worst um and the, the your strengths are also your weakness and whether it's strength or weakness depends on the context and that's why two people um one person in a different relationship can be completely different because it, the other person brings out different traits the context this whole circumstance so what you're looking for is how can you be yourself be your best self and who is that with it's not making it happen it's who is it with and the, and the idea of spinning it is is to get a sense for where you could get to with that help is it yeah, it, it, that's the range. Like you're not going to get to the other, you're not going to be the opposite of what your weakness is, mm. but that's the range. And um, that weakness, if you turn it around, it has a, um, a use somewhere. So yeah, at its worst, it's being judgmental, it's being closed-minded or whatever it is. But at its best, it's being independent. It's being protective of your, you know, like being someone who's protective of yourself or, or independent. Mm -hmm. So does it, does it all boil down to um, whatever negative traits that we've got, if we, if we beat ourselves up about it, it's only going to exacerbate the problem and it's going to highlight it more. So is, does it just boil down to, like what I said from the beginning, is, is from, so say we learn to accept that part of ourselves that's flawed and we learn to love that part of ourselves. So we learn to love the negative in ourselves and if we can learn to love that part we learn to love ourselves as a whole and it might not keep exacerbating the problem so much not exactly because what you've said is you've described it as negative and how can you love something that you hate um okay so love the part of you that is less desirable to yourself no so what you're looking at is at your worst at your lowest that's how you're going to be. So your job is to make sure that you're at your best as much as you can be so that you're, you're rising to be the best that you can be. And it's not the negative, the way it shows up negatively, but in that there is something. So um, Chantel talked about being dismissive. Well, for me, dismissive, it, what's that about? That's about protecting yourself. 
it's like I'm not going to be I'm not going to take on this that I can't cope with um, and so the better version of that is what did we say that was it, it was like setting boundaries and being protective of yourself the being over analytical overthinking is about being really careful so Richard makes better decisions because he thinks them through and he's very, and he's got a basis to be confident in his decision. And so that's a strength. It, so um, is it trying to say, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. It's, so just translating that into my own words so I can understand, is it celebrating your, what, what you find undesirable? You're actually celebrating it. I think that's what you're trying to do. Is that what you're kind of doing? Not, no, it's undesirable when you're at your worst. So it's recognizing when you're tired and you're touchy and, you, and you've been under lots of stress and, you, and nobody's, nobody's going to be nice. So, you know, there's, there's always like the Dalai Lama and um, all these people and they're like held up as saints. But that's because they've, they've engineered their life so that they live they have lots of time they they don't you know they're not they're not bringing up kids they've not got um, the demands of a, of a job they're not under that stress um so but in that you know they've engineered their life so that they're in a place where they've got lots of space and lots of time so that they are their best self but if you put them in a job that they hated with um, in a job that they hated with, you know, the stress of raising kids with a partner that they're arguing with, um, they wouldn't be the same person. They wouldn't show up as the same person. So it's not, it's not celebrating your weaknesses. It's recognizing that your weaknesses display when you don't have enough resources to deal with the life and the challenges that you face. Well, I, I understand it to mean like you're, you're, um, Put it, you're trying to put yourself into situations where those weaknesses don't display themselves as much. So like if you're naturally, if you're, if you find that impatience is, is your weakness and you're, you put yourself in a situation where maybe less impatience is no, like you have less impatience because of the, you've put yourself in circumstances that don't trigger it. Maybe that's. Yeah. yeah, and it's an awareness of what situations. Um, so if you haven't eaten, if you haven't slept, if you um, have lots of stress, it, um, if you don't have anywhere where you feel supported and you feel um, looked after and you feel safe, then, yeah, it's going to bring out the worst in you. So it's, yeah, your job is to be the best that you can be, which means what do I need? Mm. Um, you know, how can I have that balance? Wouldn't you say that therefore um, the difference between the two extremes is um, related to incremental change in the sense that at your worst, um, you, you, you can't automatically go from that to the best. But over time, recognizing your weakness, you can develop coping mechanisms and strategies that allow you to improve from being your worst. Some of the things that are, are your absolute um, 
worse. I don't. Is that, I, is that what you're saying? Not exactly. But, but what I'm saying is, is that these are the dimensions. So you've got this dimension going across kind of horizontally. This is you at your worst. This is you at your best. Now, what's going to be you at the best is um, you're going to be at your lowest when you're hungry, you haven't slept, you're under lots of stress, you're, you're not feeling support, supported, you're feeling under, under attack, you're afraid. When you feel, when you're happy, you're content, you, you've eaten, you feel well, you feel full of health, you've got enough energy, you've had enough sleep, you feel supported, you feel loved, you feel respected, then you're going to be at the top of this. Does that make sense? Creating the life that you want, and but where your energy, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So it's about knowing yourself and being the creator of your own happiness and knowing what your triggers are, and then creating the space that you want. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah, I mean. Uh, basically it's 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 like a full tank if you have what you need um then then you're going to feel you know like if you think about what when were you at your best and when were you at your worst yeah is it, is it really about i just wonder if the confusion sounds that it might be i'm a little confused is, is it really about weakness it sounds a bit like you're describing like maslow's hierarchy of needs which is if you're if you're like I know if I get tired, I get short tempered. So anytime I tend to bark at friends or whatever, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's, be it's because I'm tired. So, but is it, are you really talking about a weakness or are you just talking about the things that show up when you're not, when you don't have the resources? Like the, the, the things that you see as the criticisms of you, that you at your worst, right? are the, the, the ways it's going to show up when you're, when you're, at, when you're tired and when you're, um, so there's two different dimensions. So there's the dimension of you when you're stressed and, and empty mm -hmm. and you when you're full mm -hmm. and the way that you being empty is going to show up is in the way that you're describing yourself as who you are at your worst. So it's going to show up as being um, over analytical. It's going to be, you know all those kind of things snapping um and that's going to be sort of individual to your personality are you trying to contextualize the the weakness into where it would be seen as a positive such like impatience i imagine like okay when we're trying to make a decision whether you know what flavor ice cream to get you're going to get frustrated get contextualized you know that's a bad place to have impatience um or you've got someone's house is on fire, so the impatience will do really well because you're just going to grab whatever liquid and throw it over the fire. Are you trying to contextualise it? Is that what you mean? In, into where it can be, where that weakness works. Is that what you're trying to say? Um, no, no. It's, it's What is a strength and a weakness is dependent on the con context. So certain people are better at certain jobs because of the context of the job. So, for example, that the general impatience, um, being a little bit more impulsive, is probably um, good for someone in emergency services. Um, for someone investing billions, it's not going to be so good. 
So in other words, if I describe myself as having a temper, hmm, um, if I translate that into a positive, I could say I'm passionate. Hmm. And I could take that passion into um, doing good, doing some, a passion project and, you know, yeah. doing yeah. something wonderful and in, um, encourage people and excite people and motivate people to do something, you know, that, um, well, whatever, the passion feeds over into others. So that yes. could become a, a, a positive. Uh, but then in some instances, I think that some of our weaknesses are nuanced in terms of when you, how you think about them and how, what change you can bring about um, to this thing. For example, we were, Denise and I, we were discussing procrastination. Okay. And okay, first of all, you think it's okay, putting off things that you don't want to do. But there's a difference between putting off paying a bill and putting off ending a relationship. You know, and it takes two different sets of skills to maneuver between those two extremes, you know, in terms of... Okay. Improvement, improving that weakness then, if, it, if you think it's a weakness. Because in one instance, to make that a positive, it would be that you are, like Richard, you are being cautious, you are taking time to turn all of the various points over and before you taking in all the factors and considering them in depth before you actually arrive at a dis decision. So that procrastination for, say, ending up, a long-term relationship, breaking up a family, could be seen as being what Richard describes himself as, you know, being over-analytical and being very careful. For some people looking on him, I think it's procrastination that you don't want to end it, um, but you know the consequences of ending it. Whereas if you apply that to paying a bill, all that will happen is that maybe your utilities will just get cut off because you, you just won't pay your bill mm. all the time. <laughs> But procrastination is is a reaction to stress. Well, it, well, it, what bigger stress is there than um, <laughs> trying to break up a family? Yeah, um, yeah. I, um, I don't know if Denise wants to talk about about that. Um, no, I have the same same view as Sarah. Uh, it's just, you know, it depends on the situation, on the consequences, because uh, any any weakness can be taken as as a, you know, good trait, yeah. if you think about it. So it always depends on what kind of situation you're in, uh, if it's uh, whatever your outlook is whatever you do if it's extreme or not and you know like procrastinating for months and months or if you just procrastinate for a week or two so there's always a different level to to that weakness is there is there a are there certain times when you procrastinate and certain times um when you when you when you're not you don't procrastinate so much 
Definitely. And in different situations, you know, some, some, some things I would just do straight away. Hmm. But some things I would either procrastinate because I don't want to do them or because I need to think, think it through and get more information or, you know, so sometimes it helps me. Sometimes it's detrimental. So it's just, what do you do with that? Sometimes it helps you, sometimes it doesn't. Okay. Rob, can I ask the question in a different way? Um, what is it you want us to learn from, from this idea of take, yeah. the, take the weakness, see the extreme, see the spun version? What, what, what is it we, we should take away? What, we're, what is it you hope we, will, we could do differently? Is it, that is it that when we're tired, we go to bed? Or is it that we look for people that appreciate when we're tired and say, I think you're tired, Richard, you should go to bed. What can we do? What, what can I can we do say something the... as to what I take away from it, I think, if that's like what I take away from it is that um, I wrote it down <laughs> um, that like if I if, like, I guess in terms of relationships like what works in a relationship is kind of where I went, went with that in that if um, some people's um, strengths um, will I don't know maybe kind of compensate for not compensate but like if I'm like some people, if I'm in a relationship with some people, if we're not very compatible, then it's more like that my, the things that I think are my weaknesses, that they're, that they might come out more. Um, uh, so if I, like maybe if I was in a relationship with somebody who is, um, well, if I, my, my, one of my weaknesses is I can, I have a hard time with bound, like, establishing boundaries for myself so I can be taken advantage of but and, and some people if I'm in a relationship with some people they will take advantage of me um, because of the my lack of boundaries but then other people who might be um, really like protect uh, protective or and their weakness might be impatient or dismissiveness um, but it's because they're protective of themselves but maybe that they'll be more protective I don't it's hard to explain I did take away something from it, but I took away a lot from it, but I, it's, it is really hard to like put into words what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just the complimentariness, like my weaknesses aren't so really weak anymore because they, they um, con contribute to somebody else. So if I have lack of boundaries normally, then um, um, the spun, spin to that is that I'm very understanding and accommodating of, people's, of people who are different from me. Or who have differences and if somebody's impatient I can actually help them be less more patient because and I've noticed that I have that effect on people like my um, my ability to understand or accommodate people they like they just see it seems they they don't have the need to be impatient with me maybe um, so they're they might have temp easily easy tempers but then not so much if I'm, if I'm more understanding. They don't get temp, they don't have tempers with me, so I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to um, to address that, Richard, um, what it is is um, you, wait, 
like people have their weaknesses and they kind of judge themselves and it's recognizing that it's going to be a strength um that's different from the opposite so it is recognizing that if you're over analytical you're never going to be someone who does things without thinking um and it's recognizing the positive side of that so, so that you can accept that does that make sense I mean, that makes sense because I already do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see the benefit of being over-analytical. I'm a, you know, it, it yeah. make rock-solid decisions. Over-analytical tends to show up as a problem for people who have a different approach to making decisions, who think, get on with it. You know, or, what, why, are you, why are you looking at X number of houses before buying? Just look at three and make a decision or whatever. And I'm like, you know, no, I won't. And for 10 years, I've lived in the place and I love it, you know, so... So if that's the point, I suppose I was just trying to see if there was, yeah, anything more. And, and to the point that Tammy sort of recapped, whether it's about having a partner that says, look, Richard, you're over-analytical. This um, is, this can, is I, can I make a point? This is a, if I could just finish, this is a situation where I don't think you need to be this analytical because the consequence is you're not buying a house or deciding whether to have a child. You're just, you're deciding with a, a red car or a blue car, whatever it is. And being able to say, oh, you know what? Thanks for pointing that out. I know I get over analytical. It's good of you to tell me, recognize that. Or is it having someone that says, you know what? You know, I'm good at certain things. You're not so good at certain things. One of the things I'm pretty good at doing is making a decision. Shall I make this decision for us in a sense? So for me, it's just trying to understand whether they're compensating in the sort of way that Tammy was talking about or whether they're helping you turn this thing that I don't consider necessarily a weakness into something that it that gets closer to a strength because they go look let me help you make a quicker decision this time this is how i make a decision and then you're like oh okay so you didn't bring in all of these other things or you didn't need to think of these consequences or so yeah yeah it, it may be it, it's it's knowing um when you know yourself and you're able to share that and and they understand that then yeah they can they can help you like you, you you're just overthinking it let's 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 deal with this um errol what did what did you want to say yeah sorry about that. my internet keeps cutting out so i thought richard had stopped talking that's why Never. <laughs> i wasn't interrupting Never. um but, but what it is is that um the, the way i'm looking at this though is that i think what we are trying to say here is we need to be comfortable with who we are including the negative aspects but not at the expense of not fixing the negative aspects. So if I am uncomfortable, if I see myself as being impatient and that's me seeing myself rather than somebody else telling me it, then surely I should be working on trying to change that. Yes. Yes, isn't, and, and, that, isn't that what we are saying? Well, the, and the way um, that you change it because is because I think the sorry, the way that you change it is by being your your best self. Is by recognise that's you at your worst, and it's you're at your worst because um, you're lacking something. So it's yeah, not being. It's not necessarily beating yourself up because you do this, but it's recognizing, okay, um, I, I can do this in a better way. What am I lacking? 
Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, I, I saw what you're saying, yes. Um, and I think that comes, yeah, okay, that comes back to being comfortable with who you are. And that comes yes. back to being um, self-fulfilling in the sense that you don't need, but, they, but then now we are talking about um, having emotional maturity because, or independence. Um, because uh, if you're emotionally independent, then you don't need someone to you on the back and say you're, you're a good person. You can do that yourself because you, you don't deal in absolutes. Um, you know that some people are, you know, you're gonna, you know you're going to have positive and negative traits. You're never going to have tons of positive and almost no negatives. But uh, if you are comfortable with who you are, it's not that you are not going to change but you accept that it's just a journey and you know, you will never be able to change everything. Um, you'll just work on it as best as you can. Yes. I think that's, that's what we are saying. Yeah. And if you then bring in a, um, ultimately a, a, a lifelong partner into this equation, then all you are saying is, is that the partner fits in with their positives and negatives into what you are doing in such a way that they complement your positives and negatives, but they also support you in your journey of improvement. So they can do that for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the key thing is, can they live with? Can they live with the range? Um, and then it's it's um, can they? It's creating the awareness of you know everyone's got these patterns of what we do, and it's having that awareness of this is who I am when I'm at my worst and, and this is how you bring me back. Okay. Um, what, uh, we're running late, but I'm just going to show you one more thing. Um, if, if you have time. Okay. So Errol, um, you were talking about, yep. In, in terms of being able to um, this one in terms of being able to um, describe yourself succinctly yes. so when we when you look at this um, diagram, so how you can describe yourself is is by picking um, any one of these perspectives really. Um, because you can be described through them all. So you, you, you know, one way of, of doing it is your personality, as in um, you maybe pick three, four, five things of, of personality. So we can describe ourselves introvert, extrovert, um, whatever that aspect is. Yeah. We can describe ourselves in terms of experience, uh, in terms of values, in terms of our perspectives, mm -hmm. the environment that we're in, the awareness. Um, so I don't know if, if you want to, um, does, does, does that seem like a framework you could use to describe yourself? Yeah, I mean, it certainly gives me um, things to uh, talk about, uh, I suppose. My thing was to, um, yeah, I think so. I think so. So I'm just thinking it through in my mind. So it's taking mm. a little while, but yes. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if people have time. If you want to have a little, go to a couple of breakout rooms, um, just to be able to um, put like, who are you in a way that you can connect and, and describe yourself accurately to other people in a way that starts make... conversation and connection. Yeah. I don't mind. Can we make the rooms bigger? Cause I seem to always end up with just one person. Yes, Nothing sure. wrong with just being with one person, but this is not as much to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. If you do find yourself in CJ, if you do find yourself in one, um, okay. Hope you feel better. Sasha. Um, yeah. If you do find yourself in one, just, uh, if you can message me, um, cause I'm kind of there for anyone who drops out or anyone who comes in late and I should be able to add you to another group. Um, okay. So I reckon we can split into two. I was muted. Um, okay. Does, does everyone feel that they, that's kind of answered their question? I know it's such a big topic. We could only do a little bit in that moment, but is there anything else anyone wants to discuss? Imogen? Yeah, I just wonder what people thought about this idea that you can create exactly who you want to be. You can just pick a list of attributes that you think is good and that you want to be, and you can just be that person. I've heard, I've heard some people say that, and it's kind of a nice idea, but I don't I don't know if it's actually just a little rubbish. I think they call um, it fake it until you make it, I think the uh, phrase is. Who, who says that you could do that? Um, interestingly, someone who is sort of a forgiveness coach, I think she said that um, the way that you can do that or create you know, create a personality for yourself that you want is by actually letting go of all of your traumatic past experiences um, and forgiving people for what they have or haven't done. It's, it's actually the theory of what they do to you when you get out of prison, isn't it? Or join the military. They break down your personality and then they rebuild you up in their image. Although obviously it would be you that was affecting your image. I guess it's, I guess that's quite similar, yeah. Um, I, I, I think um, doing all that healing is positive in the sense of it will change who you are but I think there is a certain essence of who you are, certain temperament. You can't change temperaments, you know, like introvert, extrovert. Um, that's, that's the way that your brain works. Um, you can become more comfortable being an introvert. You can become um, less comfortable being an extrovert. Um, but I don't think you, you, you can't control everything of who you are and who you're going to become. Um, I think... You could probably condition and whether yourself. it will make you happy. Hmm. I don't know if it would condition make you yourself. Well, yeah, con conditioning. If, you know, if you really did say, like you were, if you forced, if you were an introvert who forced yourself to be an extrovert like every day for like two years, I reckon you'd probably end up being an extrovert. It's kind of yeah. nature nurture, isn't it? And you kind of touched on nature nurture all night. And that's one of those ongoing sort of psychological debates where, where it's quite difficult, isn't it? So, because there, there are certain experiences which maybe you can't get past. You can but always act at everything. Again? 
we can always act out anything because we all have the same things. We all have limbs. We all have a face. We can all pretend. Yeah. It's about whether you're going to achieve what you're after. Are you going to be happy? You can act it out, but are you going to be happy? That's your main. That's going to be your main drive, certainly. Yeah. Unless you just want to just play a part, and playing a part and feeling like you're fitting in brings you happiness. Yeah, yeah you can. It's yeah. you've got to ask yourself what you want out of it. Nothing's impossible. It's about what you want out of it. Are you expecting mm. to be happy by becoming an extrovert, or are you going to be satisfied enough acting like an extrovert, or are you expect to feel like an extrovert and be satisfied being an extrovert? It's about what your aim is. I think if you if you if you have a repeated behaviour, you just I think you probably just accept it. Don't you? I mean, that's the way it works negatively, isn't it? A lot yeah. of negative behavioural traits are because you keep doing them. And you just kind of accept, which makes it harder to change them. So I suppose that if it works negatively, then it can also work positively. I I suppose we were talking about whether it's possible or not. I suppose I'm not saying anything necessarily. I I think you like you can become if you're if you're an introvert. Like I'm high on the introvert scale, Um, Mm. but um, at times when I'm mixing with people and I'm and I'm interacting more, I'm more comfortable. With people um and at times when i've been very solitary and not spoken to people then i'm less comfortable so i can become more comfortable but the definition of introvert extrovert is the fact that it drains me to be around people it recharges me to be alone and um it's that's about the, the way and so like like may says it, the idea that this coach has said is is basically the idea that you know what's going to make you happy. Um, and this is like people who, you know, like forever there's, who would have some goal, they chase this goal and then find that their ladder was against the wrong wall. Um, and that's not really the goal that's going to satisfy them. Um, so I I believe that there is a core of what you are and there's something that you have to um, express in order to be happy. I, I, I think there are limits to positive thought. I was talking about, we were talking about, but you know, I, you can do a lot of things with positive thought. I think sometimes there are, there are limitations, whether it's external circumstances, which is generally the, you know, whether you like it or not, there are some things you cannot change. Absolutely. You know, like someone dies, for example, you can't bring them back, you know. And that, and obviously, so there are external factors. And obviously, you know, positive thought, I suppose, could get you through that, but there's always going to be something, some bit of you missing, I suppose, basically. And obviously, I'm thinking in, in other practical examples as well, where maybe you're not in control of something for some reason. Basically. And you can't, you know, you kind of have to learn to give up those bits and accept the negative aspect of it. And maybe that is being positive about it. But <laughs> I think there might have been positive thoughts. What, what's your view, Imogen? Um, I don't know, my mind has gone blank. Um, but I was just going to ask you, Rob, do you believe that, that ambiverts exist? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course, because um, introvert, extrovert is a scale. 
um, and some are more, you know, you get introverts who are very close to being extrovert. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's just the spectrum and everywhere is somewhere along that spectrum. And and some of some of them like some aspects of our personality are due to conditioning. You know, if if you grew up in in the East, then you're going to be very different from someone who's grown up in America, just because your experiences. Um, and so, how much is core you, and how much is conditioning of, and culture? Culture is is really important. What you're yes. surrounded with what country and what your group and your peers are mm. that's what makes you feel normal because normal is subjective it's depending on what's around you that's what's normal so in terms of your travel may how has that changed your so for me travel what most people experience is is kind of overcoming conditioning and seeing different cultures and seeing uh, the limits of our culture Oh, certainly sort of eye-opening. I even worked out in Asia. That was eye-opening, that, that, that. One's work, professional work, mannerism um, and methods. Uh, you can't just template it and take it everywhere. So that was quite a shock. I did manage to overcome it. Um, yeah, it was just beautiful. I saw it, it. I love, like, trying new foods, seeing new cultures, being open and just... Because I mean, I'm quite... I, I tap into... I'm kind of quite empathic. So you kind of tap into sort of like the general feel and kind of miss how Thailand used to be. Thailand didn't like that anymore, but the satisfaction people had um, in just the small things that they had, it's kind of seeing different lifestyles because being in London, it's quite different. We're very materialistic, um, not completely like tiring everyone. There's, you know, just talking about the majority that you come across. Um, we're not, we're not the most uh, open, clean souls. Um, we're quite black and quite uh, unhappy. There's a lot of unhappiness and discontent. Um, so yeah, it was eye-opening. It's certainly worth it. It's nice to kind of be open. I suppose I've been lucky. I was talking to my flatmate who isn't from London and the amount of racism that she got and stuff like that. Me, I've always been in London. There was a bit of racism when I was a kid, but not that much. Um, so I've been quite lucky that my ethnicity hasn't been at the forefront hasn't been a friction hasn't been a conflict um so yeah that i can just go to other countries and just take the country as it is rather than any sort of like racist thoughts like oh these people are probably below me because of the fact that they're not from england just open just travel see what pretty things there are what food what cultures how people value things um how you've got to treat people differently and take that on board because as people, things we do, it's all dictated by one, well, one person that formed the religion or um, culture. It's not really nature. It's not really real. We're just dictating what's the correct way of interacting with one another. I suppose that's why I find it frustrating because when I interact with people, it's the cultural di sort of dictating the interaction as opposed to how do we want to interact as people, as biological creatures. You know, we want to connect, but culture de denies that you've got to have wealth you've got to show that you're fancy and you know you go always look hot and take selfies it's it's we're controlled by cult uh, by by media and that's in various various sort of um varying degrees as you go traveling you get to see that 
and that's what's pretty pleasant. It is eye opener, but living in London, I'm quite lucky because I don't have those um, horrible boundaries put on me because of the fact that whether I'm female or whether because I look Chinese, I don't have that. So I've been quite lucky, and traveling just kind of contributes further to that. Okay. Um, Margaret, were you, did you want to say something? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, I think travel is one of those things that can, yeah, sort of, the mind. like you say, yeah, yeah, basically. I've met people who have, um, who've travelled a lot. Hey, Margaret. Oh, hi, Margaret. Um, I've met people who've travelled a lot, and I don't think it always forms the mind. I found that they actually happen to be really close-minded and um, quite boring. Um, I, d I don't really know. It, it's, yeah. Depends how they travel. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Because you've got guys that go, not tiring everyone, but you do have guys that go to Thailand and expect the Thai <laughs> treatment. Mm. That's closed-minded travelling. It's I'm expected yeah. to go there so I can treat the people the way I have in my head I'm allowed to treat them rather than open eyes, what's this country, as opposed to, I'm going to go to this country because I know I'm going to get what looks like women or women. Mm. So travelling alone by itself as an act is not meaning that it's going to open your mind. It depends if you have your own um, perceptions before you go. But there are always little differences, aren't there? I mean, I mean, you know, I, I do get it somewhere, but I, I agree that it's proportionate to the amount of effort you put in. So, like, if you, you know, if you make an effort to learn the language or learn bits of the language, then you're probably be accepted by the locals. In which case, you'll probably hit on things that you wouldn't if you're just going shouting at everyone slowly in English and, and, and yes. accepting them to understand. And that's that's the, the best way to tell, isn't it? But, I mean, I, I also live in London. I lived in East, the East End for many, many years, basically. I don't know it, unfortunately. But I, I, I actually lived in Green Street for, for one point, or, or just off Green Street, which is an area which is, you know, lots of Muslims, lots of Hindus, lots of Sikhs, lots of Caribbeans. And I'd honestly never seen anything like it. And I'm from Devon originally. And, and and it was just such an experience. And, and I, I would say, I know you know we're talking about drug wear, but you can actually find that as well in London. <laughs> Basically, you can find areas in London that will also yeah. broaden your mind if you go out to accept them, that you don't need to pay big bucks to go somewhere, basically. You know? yeah, and I think it's one of the things I'm doing at the moment, because I'm kind of getting to the end where I'm leaving. And I'm probably leaving London quite soon. I've left because I don't like it, and I do agree with you, mate, that I've just had enough of it, basically. Um, mm. but I'm kind of, so I've decided in like my last sort of long goodbye, which has been a sort of year, I, I'm appreciating London for, for the things I'm like being a tourist again. So like today I went to the museum of London, you know, I'm just walking around looking at the city wall, taking photos as if I'm a tourist. Cause I've been in London for 26 years and there's still things I've never done. Like being to St. Paul's Cathedral that I've always wanted to do. And I've just never bloody yeah. done it. Basically, you know, mm. and I think that's a, kind of what Rob was saying earlier about changing that mindset. I think that's kind of what you're saying. So, cause this was about, you know, learning to love yourself as well or appreciate yourself. Or, and, and a lot of it is about, it's not even reframing things, isn't it? But it's like, it's, it's trying to change your approach, I suppose. Is, is what it is. It's a little bit different to changing your perception. 
And obviously my perceptual change there was that I'm going to treat London like a bloody like a tourist. I'm going to be like a tourist because I'm in a, a city that everyone, you know, it's very popular London, isn't it? <laughs> so yes. I want to go and do those things that I've never done before I go. Basically. Yeah. Showing so, away your preconceptions and actually letting what you, you experience and see and feel actually happen as opposed to tar on it straight away. Hmm. But I do, I, most. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, what, what you said about the media, and I used to have this argument with my dad for me, because he always said the media affected people massively. And there's a oh. book called What the Media Did, did to our Politics, actually, which is by some guy wrote for The Guardian or something. I think there's a, to me, there's always a bit of a, a, a there's an acceptance as well from people, I think. So I think a lot of people, I, I, you know, when we have these sessions, Rob, I'm always thinking that, you know, the Eurythmics song, right? Sweet dreams. You know, it's like some of them want to use you, some of them want to get used by you, some of them want to abuse you, some of them want to be abused. There's all, you know, there's always a, a relation, any relationship dynamic, whether it's between a man and a woman or, you know, like a mother and a father or whatever, a mother and a son, or someone who buys a newspaper or watches a television channel and that person's still in the media. That, that's a two-way relationship, basically. So there has to be a level of acceptance of you taking those ideals, if you see what I mean. Mm. There's something like fashion, which I, I mean, I'm, you know, like I say, I'm from the South, but I've never really prescribed to fashion, I suppose. Really. So I don't, I mean, I still don't even know what certain things are called, like types of trousers and stuff, which I call problems sometimes. But, you know, certain people, you know, they're not happy unless they have, like, a wearing that colour the year or something you know and, and that, it's weird isn't it it's an attachment yeah. to their identity is wrapped in that yeah because you, so you have to you have to kind of simplify things i think don't you and that's what i'm trying to do at the moment i'm trying to, i'm trying to appreciate my surroundings in a way that i haven't done in london for years you know one thing that is good for london is that it's the only safe haven for truly being accepted as the people as you are as much as we're all sad and uh, angry um we take people as they come along as opposed to oh they look like they're african-american oh they look like they're from china or we don't have that as much and as much as london you know isn't that pleasant it does have that safe haven of sort of like yeah. far less discrimination and it's yeah. a shame that i don't feel i can just go to another part as casually even like when i do go abroad the amount of racism I get, like saying uh, Future Ventura, it's a real, sh you know, shake up on kind of like, oh yeah, I, I look a certain way, and it's it's not a nice feeling being made to kind of like to to have to acknowledge that you represent something that you're not because I'm born and raised in London. I'm as far as I feel, I'm very English, mm. um, and to be treated and why they treat them like that, treated like someone from China. Mm. it's yeah so london does have its good points it's the only safe haven where you can be what you want to be without being judged by where you look yes it's yeah it's definitely great as we follow mm. well I, th I, I think that's that's really about be it being more because it is more diverse, people have more have experienced it more, so there isn't the level of ignorance that there is in some other places. Um, and yeah, so when when you're like lumping geographically, yeah, it's going to be um, more accepting. 
I think also people are just too busy to to, to worry about it. Yeah. Too busy. To worry about the right trousers. Yeah. <laughs> if, so, if someone's pushing you out the way to get on the tube, yeah, they don't care what colour you are or what gender you are. Just like, get, yeah. get out the way, you're just in their way. Yeah. Just in their way. Don't care yeah. who you are. You're just in the way. They'll hate you just the same, whatever colour. <laughs> it really is. It really is that. So, but hey, at least no racism. You get treated equally. No, it is true. I mean, I mean, I remember going to Peterborough because I, I had a was it Peterborough, Luton actually, Luton, which obviously has a has a, has a big multicultural you know, carnival that it's very proud of every year after being in London and, and, and only really being back to Devon and, and, and it had been quite isolated. So it was the first kind of time I'd been to somewhere in Britain for a long time. And just being amazed by the way that people talk, like this casual use of words, which, you know, just weren't used in London, basically, you know? And you, you're just like, wow, you know, you can't say that, basically. And I think like the rest of the country now is probably caught up because the law has definitely got stronger in that area. But, but it's difficult to change attitudes, isn't it? And obviously not yeah. everything reported. The law controls the mouth, but it doesn't control the heart. No, exactly. No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, my, my ex, my ex actually was uh, she was from Trinidad, so she and she moved up north. So and she most she's in Preston, and most of the time it's been okay. But she has had she has had instances where people have basically you know, you know used the B word basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's not even good racism in some respects, if you'll forgive the sort of, you know, the, it's, it's just like lazy. You know, there's not even any thought behind it. It's just, you're different to me. You know, my dad says this probably, my granddad probably said it, so I'm going to say it to you. you know, it's just it might be all accepting. There's not even any thought in it. No. But, but I mean, I don't, I mean, I suppose Manchester as well is quite accepting. So, that, you know, in Birmingham, big cities because the fact that loads of people will um well they'll they'll have people that migrate over to work there because they need to be manpower or whatever the cities mm. will will get the people they need in whereas the smaller towns i've not been to wales for a while but i remember when i went to wales about sort of 20 years ago the woman in the bakery she wasn't being well she didn't mean to be rude but no. she was just shocked at the fact that i just don't look like a, a welsh she, she couldn't right. serve me because she was just stunned that I just don't look, don't look Caucasian enough. Yeah, well, they're, they're like that in Devon <laughs> as well, definitely. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> there, are places, there are places in Devon where, you, you know, it's, it's all just white people and it's been, you know, so they only really see tourists, basically. It's very mm. And a lot of Wales is like that, probably not Cardiff, but... And there's television, well, how can they avoid it? Think on TV, you know, they're, they're sci-fi, but we are real other ethnicities. <laughs> yeah, but you don't, you but can't television's, deny it. television's not real either, is it, in some respects? It's just something you watch, isn't it? Well, I guess so. Well, it's funny, because I've been having a lot of conversations about this recently, but I, I think until you actually have some sort of interaction on a, on a sort of longer basis with someone who isn't, who's from a different culture, even if they are British, you don't really understand that. And I, I can see that in my mum. My mum makes kind of careless, she's not racist, but she just makes careless statements and I sort of have to pick her up and it's like, well, you can't really say that. You know, but she just has no experience, basically. I mean, Plymouth had a few. I'm from Plymouth, basically. So. Mm. Plymouth has a long history with Chinese and Indian. You know, and it wasn't so big in the slow trade as Bristol and other places, basically. But it, it's a port. It had a lot of people coming through, basically. 
so it actually had a long history with, with sort of um, people from other cultures for quite a long time. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, we've gone off topic. <laughs> yeah, massively, yeah. Well, not even sure how here, really. It was about the media, wasn't it? It was about the yeah. media affecting your perception, well, affecting well, people's perceptions, and about whether you can accept that. And, and, it, and it is on topic, in a sense, because uh, identity, one of the ways, one of the forms of identity, the most superficial, is really people are taking how you look. And, and then it's, it's not about you, but it's about their... You know, like Pete was saying, like people, part of who your identity is like being in your little community. And then if someone are different, that kind of racism is about identity of that community and being scared of someone who's different. I worked with with a guy in Leightonstone. And he, he, I mean, he was like a white, he he was, I don't know, he's probably in his 20s. And like, if he went into an Asian shop, and I mean, like, you know, South Asians, as you call them, so like in Pakistani, and they and they were talking to each other like in in their own language, like Hindi or whatever. You know? He'd actually think they were they were like dissing him, and I was like, they're probably talking about the bloody cricket, or you know, they're talking about his brother, or you know, it's not. But this guy just genuinely thought if he had them, he didn't like the fact they weren't talking in English, and I was like, what? You mental. Why do you think they care about you? It's a bit jarring, even like for myself, like as an ethnic minority, when I've been in certain work environments where there's a lot of different ethnicities, literally come from a different country. Um, so not like born and raised in England like myself. Um, yeah. And they're, you know, you're just surrounded with foreign languages. It's like, I feel like I've just travelled abroad. You feel, because to be honest, I feel, but I suppose in the shop it doesn't matter, but in an office, I felt like I was getting isolated because, you know, why are you not speaking a language that everyone can understand? Because you're purposely speaking in an English office in a different language so no one else can understand you. I find that rude. Maybe, I don't know, that's maybe an English, like, English I find that rude. Which, the office environment is all inclusive. We are in England. You know, you can speak the language. So, I don't know, that, that might be me. Yeah, but Pete, I, I don't know, not because people just don't always like sharing. <laughs> I mean, you know, having speaking another language to me is a talent, and if you know, if you and you you probably want to keep those skills up as well. I mean, I don't know. I kind of I kind of get what you're saying. But I suppose we're in an environment. You don't. Yeah, places. I, don't know. I think it's places. rude. Yeah. yeah. You're well, sitting there having lunch, and they're just jabbering away in their language. If they want to have a private conversation, go to a private room. It just feels it feels isolating when people um, groups of their own you know groups of their own culture yeah. are gathered yeah. together. It it just feels rude. I don't know, but in the office environment, it feels it, it feels it, inappropriate. It's feel anyway, can't they? Really, it doesn't necessarily have to be people's ethnicity. I mean, cliques always form in a workplace, don't they? Really? Yeah. I, I mean, fo- I think of bloody football. Football is like the biggest clique, like in my bloody workplace. And it, you know, you get to the point where you actually have to learn some football. To, I mean, I, you know, I, <laughs> I am kind of a fan, but my 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 count, my my team are like in bloody League One or whatever. So the Premiership, <laughs> you know, everyone's just talking about it all the time, and and you feel excited because <laughs> that's what they bloody talk. I'm a cricket fan, and no, no one understands cricket. They're like, oh, it's boring. I'm like, well, I don't like football now. 
So. Isn't that funny? So kind of you're forming a false kind of identity just to fit in. As I said before, and, and, and Rob, you know, I've, I've, I've met Rob many times, or at least in this session, I'm not so good at small talk, basically. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I think football, I learned, you learn this in World Cups, but you learn it's quite, a, for, to, to talk to men, football is like a universal language. Like during a World Cup, you can literally talk to any man. Does this talk about football? Either they'll tell you about the football, or they'll tell you how much they hate football. But you can literally start a conversation with anyone, basically. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you, can, you guys can do that anywhere. <laughs> for me, I find it a lot harder, especially to talk to men, which, which can be difficult sometimes because <laughs> they just grunt at you, basically. So, I think as women, we get a different side. If they grunt at us, they're not going to get very much interaction. And I think usually men kind of want the interaction, so make a bit more effort and go you know, speak some words. Might not be many words, but still words. Yeah, you probably don't have to worry about talking about football. But it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's, just thing, it's just a universal thing that brings you together. I mean, it used to be religion, yeah. didn't it? Religion used to be something that was very popular you know, yeah. and, and, and was a universal thing that everyone could talk about. Mm-hmm. And I suppose fo- you know, football <laughs> probably is a religion. It does approximate to a religion in some respect. Mm. So it's just something that a lot of people, it's very popular and a lot of people have it in God. And it gives a sort of camaraderie, doesn't it? Mm. Sense of belonging. Yes, but yeah, I, yeah. I think I think football does serve that for for many people. Well, I mean, they've all been going mental, haven't they? In bloody Corona, when it got stopped like mid-season, but there, uh, there were people having bloody nervous breakdowns. Well, as a <laughs> Liverpool fan. <laughs> Thirty years away, we're just like so far away, and then sport, sport your moment. Yeah. <laughs> this. Okay. Well, thank you for being on. Mm. Um, I'm I'm away next week, so uh, I haven't booked anything in, um, but uh, we'll pick up again the next week after the week after next. Um, I can't remember. We, we had talked about topics because I remember I knew I was going to be away and I knew it was going to be difficult for me to begin. I think Sasha mentioned that. I can't remember what she said it was. Was it Slaying the Dragon or was that another one? Oh, was that Slaying the Dragon? No, I think okay. it might have been. I think Sasha might have mentioned it. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'll write that down before I forget. Okay. Well, have a good week. Oh, two weeks. Yeah, have a good, yeah, have a good time off. And um, see you... In a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay. All right, night, night. Okay, everyone. thanks for being on. Okay. Bye. Bye.